Today we are going to finally finish Kuftetz um, Halach Beis. The Rama says, uh, we're actually just going to read the Rama. we're not going to talk much about what the Rama says. The Rama says, What happens if a person saw um, the cheese making, so he knows that they made the cheese correctly, and so to speak, but he didn't see them milking the cows, um, so he doesn't know if it's whole so. So then, you could be matter the cheese but the Ebed. Why? The concern of Chol Vishol's maybe he mixed in treif milk, but of course he wouldn't have to be chayshish that meachashash sekvinas menachol because he was planning on making cheese out of this milk. Kidavet tamei and amei uvadol irboy of kuchavim meachashash daytoy lasis kvinas. He was planning on making cheese out of this milk. He would be silly to put take that milk and put it in treif milk into it because it won't turn into cheese. Um, so it's, it has no meaning to him. And therefore, but the Ebed, you could. Um, Eat the cheese that was made out of that milk. So it was convenience Israel, but it wasn't. It wasn't. Israel, but you could eat it anyhow. But even though you're going to be eating the cheese, you're now to eat the chol by itself. Okay, so we're not really going to talk about that, unfortunately. Okay, um, we're going to talk about like this. After we're going to talk about a bunch of things that are really have to do with making cheese. They're not really things that have so much to do with sitting kufta per se, um, but they have to do with making cheese. And we're in our last halacha about making cheese. Finishing about making cheese, so I'm going to mention these couple of things, and they are um, um, when you when you take the cheese. We had, we've said a hundred times that you have the milk in the big vat, you put in the rennet into it, and the the curd it gets curd and waste separate from each other, and now you have your cheese floating around. Um, when you do that, when you do that, you know you drain out as much way as you can, and then you pour out, you pour this whatever curd is left, and the curd that's there with a little bit of whey that's into it, you plop it onto what they call tables, these long, big long tables. This is the traditional way. There are fancier ways of doing it now, but you plop it onto this big table that has um, holes in it, and the cheese falls down to it, the whey drains out of it. They do stirring and mixing and cutting and all kinds of things, but what you're trying to do is get the whey out of, the, out of that curd. Um, so the, the, obviously, if you're dealing with a cheese that's above Yatsla at this point, kosher cheese and, and or a trafe cheese that was above you at this point, you have, you have to deal with the caching of that table. Okay, you just plop, you, they plopped hot trafe cheese onto it and they plopped and hot kosher cheese onto it, that would be that kind of a problem. And then, after they finish on the tables, the cheese is then, um, it's, it's still uh, moist and it's still not in the blocks that we're used to seeing, like as consumers. What they do is they take the cheese, they put it into molds, and the mold, the idea of the mold is that it presses it into a certain shape, drains out the last bits of whey out of it, and gets it into a specific, um, into a, a specific shape that they want to have it, usually round, getting get to that shape that you want to have it, or squares, whatever you want to have it, and they sometimes use a cheesecloth that's in there. Okay, they, they wrap the cheese in a cheesecloth before they put it into the mold, and that helps it. As you press it tighter, the liquid can drain out of the cheesecloth, but not the solids. Um, those cheesecloths get reused, uh, or could be get reused. They're, they're ones that are the old, or the, all the way of doing is they reuse them, and they would have to be kasher. We talked about that in Tafton Afalach Yerches. They had a kasher of those cheesecloths. Okay, for all those that remember. Okay. Um, now, now to, on to more serious things, which is like this. Um, in most cheese, most cheese, when you, uh, aside from putting in milk and the rennet that makes it separate, you add salt to it. Okay, you, you brine the cheese. And there's two ways of brining the cheese. Uh, for a second, I'll tell you, the, the, the salt has about, I, I think I counted five functions that I found as to what the salt is supposed to do. It draws all kinds of things out of the curd. Uh, it draws out 
whey and lactose and moisture, and it preserves it and it adds flavor, like all kinds of things that are going on. There are all kinds of science as to what's going on with why you're supposed to salt it. But for our purposes, there are two ways of, of salting cheese, and they are dry salting and brine salting. Okay? What does that mean? Dry salting means is when you dump the cheese onto the tables, uh, they sprinkle salt over the, over the cheese, um, and they leave it sitting on there. The last couple of minutes when it's on the tables, the range is like 10 to 30 minutes of the last couple of While that's on the tables, you sprinkle salt onto it, you mix the salt in with the cheese, uh, and then it does what it has to do for the cheese, and then you move the cheese from there out. When you do brine salting, what you do is once the cheese comes out of the mold, or even if it's in the mold, but you, once the cheese is already molded and it's, it's blocks of cheese, you dunk it into big baths of brine, it sits in those beds for hours or days or weeks, okay? It sits for extended amounts of time in this bed full of brine. So before we go on to the, the questions that there are, I'm just going to throw in that that brine is, of course, made up of water with huge amounts of salt. It's salt, not much like to the saturation point, because there's as much salt as it can handle. But um, I never knew this before, so I'll mention it. Um, they add other things into the brine besides the salt and water. Um, and one that, that strikes us that's important is they want to add calcium into that brine because the salt will draw calcium out of the curd also. Among the other things, it would, by itself, it would draw out calcium, which will make the curd fall apart. Okay, the calcium plays some kind of a role in holding the curd together. So they want to add calcium into the brine to keep the salt from drawing too much calcium out of the, out of the curd. In other words, if, if it comes to some kind of equilibrium, so if you put more calcium into the brine, less calcium will be drawn out of the cheese, and calcium wouldn't be so bad, but an easy source then to get calcium to put into the brine is by dumping whey in. Okay, they'll put whey into the brine, not because the etin they want whey in there, but because the whey provides calcium, so it's, it's all over the place, it's way all over the plant, they could drop whey, put whey into the brine as a calcium source to keep it from drawing too much calcium out of the cheese, which would ruin the cheese. Not just they don't want the calcium out, they don't want to ruin the cheese. Kaka, that's what I saw. That was a news to me. I never heard of that before. Uh, so, uh, just something to think about. When they're making the brine, they make the brine in salt and water. That's the picker of what it is. But, it should just be alert that there's such a thing that people um, may put whey into it as a way of uh, maintaining the right amount of calcium in the cheese. Okay. So, we, we said there's two ways of two ways of salting the cheese. Um, one is, and we'll do the dry salting one first. It's a, it's a little more straightforward. And the, again, the dry salting is they pour this salt over the cheese while it's on the tables. Now, the Ramah in Simon Kofay describes, talks about brining, uh, dry salting of cheese. He talks about that. And the Ramah says, in the Ramah's day, what they did was, when the cheese was in its mold, they poured the salt on the den. Okay? In other words, it's like, a, like an in-between between of what we do. We do either dry or brine salting, or both. Sometimes we, some companies will do both of them. But the Ramad did an in-between, which was, when it was in the mold, they poured dried salt on top of it. That, that's the implication you get from reading what the Ramad says. And the Ramad says, you're not allowed to do that. In other words, you're not allowed to use the guys mold when you pour, when you brine, the, the che- when you salt the cheese. And um, the reason is because, why not? What's the problem? He says, there's a thing called Malir Karizeh, that's what it's looking at the Simcha of Hay, which is, when things are be- in the process of being salted, they're being in the process of being, uh, of being salted, the, that reaction, while the, the, it's being salted, has this, makes it as if it's hot. It's not really hot. And just like when things are hot, they make bleeds instantly bleeds transfer. So too, when things are malir, they can make bleeds transfer instantly. And amazingly, you can't use the guy's mold 
was kashrut. You can't use the goyim's mold to make your cheese because the the bleas that he has in the trace bleas from when he made cheese are going to get into your kosher cheese. Okay. That's all good. It's not, you know, that's all okay. Very good question. I'm getting to that in a second. Very good. So we're getting to that. So that's what the Ramah says. You now you now use their you now use their uh, their molds. Now the Ramah did his own lechatchila because the din of Malich Kiriseach. That's what the Ramah took about there. The din of Malich Kiriseach is that Malich Kiriseach can put tam from food into kalim, but it cannot draw tam out of kalim. It's, it's a one-way street. It only puts from trave into a kli, but not from a kli into food. So the guy made his the mold trade. When he salted his cheese, he put blea from the cheese into the mold. But when the yid's going to use it, no blea really is going to come out. The blea is not, it's mulech kirasech, but it's, it was a one-way blea. So now there's now kosher blea going in. Who cares? There's no trace blea coming out from the mold into the food. But there are Rishonim hold that mulech works two-directional, bi-directional. It works both ways. And therefore, the Ramah says, l'chadchila, um, you're not allowed to use the goy's molds, of course, unless you're Patrick. You're not allowed to use the molds because you have to be choshish that the Malik Kirisir makes tango in and out. Okay? Now, the, the, okay, so now, we don't do that. We, we don't um, salt cheese when it's in its mold. I mean, I shouldn't say nobody does it. The people who I asked, like, you know, the people who I asked, no, I asked a few people who, no one does that, that we know nowadays that does that. But, as I said to you, they do salting on the tables. Okay, so the question is, should we be choshish when they do the salting on the tables? Um, should we be choshish for the same kind of chashash? Ramos says, you now to use the, the guy's mold because of Melech Kirasech. So we don't do it in the mold, we do it on the table. So why, should we say the same chashash? That the salting that you do on the table should also have the din of Melech Kirasech and say, you can't use the guy's table for, the salting, for that dry salting because it makes please go back and forth. Okay, so L'Chadchila makes the... It for sure makes a big would make the big go in, and we'd be chayshus of the field that makes the big come out also. So should we be concerned for that? When you say dry, it's not liquid at all. Right. Well, what it is is that the, the you've dumped the the curd onto the table. The way is draining out. So there is some liquid. I can't say there's no liquid. There is some liquid, but basically it's dry, and you hold it the last couple of minutes. So it's basically dry. It's just, but why would it make a difference? How if it would be liquid. Like dry? No, it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite. Mulechir is more for dry things. Mulechir is like when you're salting a piece of meat, you can't salt a piece of meat in the container because it makes blea transfer back and forth. This is not, this is not the blea that uh, sear makes blea happen through covers. That takes a few minutes. We'll get to that soon. But that takes a few minutes for that to happen. That's a cover style blea. This is not cover style. This is like hot. It's kirsir. Well, the hot means happens instantly. You know? Even so there's a shear for mulechir what do you mean there's a share? What do you mean by that? The tie-wise. No. What? I don't remember how much it is. I don't remember how much it is. I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, that's most cheese. Most kosher cheeses are being done less than yet. Right, if it was Yatzelah, it be kosher. But that's a pretty standard kosher cheese, is less than Yatzelah's boy. Um, for, partially for that reason, because it's easier to cash for Okay, so, so the simple answer... Yeah, yeah. So, so the, the, the simple answer for why it's not a chashash is because of what David said, which is, the din of Malik only applies when you have something that's ain't in necho, machin, small It has to be so salted that it's inedible. It's so, so salty that you can't eat it. That's what that has a din of Malik Something with a small amount of salt, that's not, that's not considered Malik Kirasech. The question, the question just is, and I think that's the correct answer. The question is, that, that that's what the Mahabra says in Kofay. 
which is true. That's what the din is. The problem is that in Sim uh, Tzadi Aleph, the Ramah says that we're not the key to know what's considered in and Echlis Machas Machas. We don't know how salty such a thing is considered. And therefore, we're machled that everything that's salted is considered Hezadir Malir Chirizeach. What is this, Ramah? Tzadi so, the Ramah says, we, we treat everything like that, that, that it's in an achas machas mochot. So, if you're going to say to me, so it's true, in, in, so to speak, in truth, it's, it's, there's no pleas, but why don't we say, the Ramah says, we should be machot that everything's in an achas machas mochot, so why don't we say the same thing here? Do you want to say something? No. Okay. okay. No. Okay, so, so the, oh, very good. No, 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 that, 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 that's correct. No, he's correct. So the Yehuda says, the Yehuda says, in Tadiyal, he says, even though the Ramah says that everything that's salted is considered in Nechas Machas Mochel, he says, he says that even that has a limit to what you have to say to it. He says, Gam Ema Achmer B'zeh Machmer She'en Onu B'kiyim. Don't say for everything in Onu B'kiyim, the B'zeh B'vadi Lo Yishayach B'kiyim is Kalb. When something is so not salty, we say it's, it's like not even in range. In the sort of borderline cases, we're supposed to be Machmer and consider it salted. But in this case, it's like taking it to... Well, he's not talking about our case. But in the case that he's talking about, so you, you would say that, that over here, the, the, the cheese, the salt, is not, it's not just... It's not being salted. It, it's sort of like an ingredient in the cheese. Okay? Cheese is salty. I mean, overall, cheese is a salty food, but potato chips are, potato chips are salty. But it's, it's like an ingredient in the food. It's not being salted. So what you'd say is the Agahuda says, we don't, we're not, not... This Ramah doesn't need to say anything with a, a, a pinch of salt. Is, is considered it has to be some kind of even borderline that you, you weren't sure if it's so salty, so you'd say, okay, it is salty. But if it's not even close, then you wouldn't say that. Okay, so to help you understand that, um, I, I, I looked in some numbers, okay, I spoke to people for some numbers, okay, the amount of salt that goes into cheese when you do this dry salting comes out to about half of a percent, we're talking weight, not really sure, but just, just countries. By weight, it's about a half of a percent of the cheese. So for 100 pounds of cheese, there's going to be a half a pound of salt. Okay? That's the, the number is roughly how much it is. It's about a half of a percent of salt when you're making the cheese. When you do malicha on meat, we do malicha on meat, which is what, that's the real thing, is by malicha on meat, the salt the amount you use is about 4.5% salt by weight. Okay? When they do malicha on chicken and on lamb, it's as high as 9 to 14%, depending on who you ask. Okay, how much salt they use. Well, the guy with the 14% was a, told me he's overzealous. He, <laughs> he, he uses a lot, much Why more salt. Oh, very good question. Because they're smaller pieces. There's less surface area. You have to cover the surface. And chickens actually, you need more because they have a cavity. But it has more surface area. So you have a big side of land, a side of beef, so you don't have to put salt all over the surfaces. But when you have pieces of land that are much smaller, you have to eat this salt all around. Anyhow, they use, so the, what I'm trying to say to you is, is that the amount of salt is much more, 10 to 20 times as much salt in that as it is to this. Help just perspective-wise to say is that this, this is what, even though I wouldn't have the macro for this it's case. It's all in one place over there. Say again? It's all the meat and chicken. It's all in one place. You know, you want our, our surface, you want some malia. Yes, it's true. Right, you're right. So you're, you're 100%, which is when you make the, when you make in the meat, it sits on the surface. As opposed to here, it Im- they immediately mix it in. After they sprinkle it on, they then blend it in because it's going to be part of the cheese. So they blend it in. You're right. So it's, it's, that's even more why it's like an ingredient. It's not. It's not being salted. It's being thrown in. It's another ingredient. That's true. So, okay. One one last thing to throw in is that one one last thing is that that I'll just throw in um, when the Bali Shulchan speaks about this Ramah, who says that you should say, we're always hush the things I'm with, he says, if there are other tzadim l'hakal, 
then we won't, you don't have to be machmur for this Ramah. But if the Ramah says everything is ain nechus machmus mochoy, that's only as is. But if there are other sagim hakol, you could be mekel. And of course, we have one over here. I remember I told you the whole Ramah about the cheese mold is only lechatila because mekel didn't behold bleis don't come out from the mold into the food, or in our case, from the table into the food. So the whole din is a chumrah in the first place. We're being machmur to say is bleis should be choshesh and bleis come out of the kliosa through mliach. So. He's saying it's don't, he's not talking about our case, but he's saying it don't say the chumrah of everything is in nechaz machas machay when there's, when the thing, the din itself, you be choshu, is itself just the chumrah, which is in our case. We're being, to say bleas come out is not minadin. Minadin bleas don't come out of through muliyat kurisech. Then we go, go in, they don't come out. Okay, so, so the, the, the dry salting, the way we do it on the tables rather than the moles like the ramah, we are not choshu for that um, ramah. We talked about this one, you know, the Ramah said something very similar, but we're not chayshish for that, and we assume that there's no problems of mlech kereseach when we do this dry salting. But the brine salting is much more serious. Okay, I, I count four issues with the brine salting. Okay, brine salting was again, if you have the cheese in its molds, it, it, it's blocks of cheese, you put it into these into these containers where it sits in the in in a in a liquid brine solution. I forgot to mention to you. The, the cheese floats in these in these solutions. So when the cheese floats, the cheeses that are sticking over, that like above the line, um, they pour salt on top of those. Okay, they do the dry salting for those because those pieces are like sticking out of the liquid. They, they put some salt on. Okay, so excuse me. Okay, so the simplest, the simplest, the simplest issue with the brines, with these liquid brining, is that the brine doesn't never spoils and the brine gets reused. So, if I make cheese today, when the cheese, when I pull all the cheeses out, I, I guess they filter it to make it a, a little cleaner, but they don't, tomorrow they use the same brine again. Okay, so the simplest issue is that if you're making brine in the kosher cheese, you've got to make sure that you have fresh brine, or dedicated kosher brine, call it what you want to. You, the brine that they would naturally use is the same brine that they used yesterday for trafe cheese. Okay. Can I worry about flavor profile? That, that's a good question, that's a yasu question. You know, some places pasteurize that brine. Really? Okay. You, you know, you, you want to talk about that? I forgot about it. Okay, so now we have five things to worry about. Okay. The pasteurizer, I forgot about that. The pasteurizer, he's, he's saying, you're saying pasteurizer, you're saying pathogens. But he's saying, I was Tom. Are they worried about flavor being transferred? Okay, so it's a good question. I don't know. Okay. The, the next thing is, we saw, but I keep mentioning before, that there's such a, he was hinting at, that there's a din of kavush that happens in less than 24 hours. One of the things that makes kavush in less than 24 hours is, is brine. And of course, this qualifies. This is definitely salty enough to be brine. It mounts it to the saturation point. Um, so, kvisha happens very quickly. So, for example, um, when you make, in one place that we saw that was making string cheese, um, before the string cheese was cooked or stretched and put into this, you know, what looks like string cheese, it sat in the brine tank for, it passed through a brine tank on its way. So, that means to say is that it wasn't sitting, I'm not talking about a brine tank where it's at for two weeks, it's at there for a couple of minutes, it passed through a brine tank before it was, it went on to the next part of making the cheese. So, if you do that, you could potentially have this coverage of just a couple of minutes, between six and eighteen minutes, depending on what sheet you all like, but just a couple of minutes, so it's easy to get a problem of coverage in those kind of tanks. So, usually you think if something's cold, you don't have problems, you don't have problems, the cheese is cold, but if the, even if the cheese is cold, it's not always, but the, the string cheese pulled, it happens to be hot. But even if it's cold, you can have a problem of covers in that tank, and that tank is not really um, built for kashering. It's a tank that's meant to hold cold brine, it's not really meant for kashering, so that then, then you have to get sick.
figure out how to do that, how to deal with the kasher. Okay, it gets even worse. What's even worse for those tanks is the actual tanks that they do brining in within the same kasher. The tanks that they do brining in, in the place that we saw, uh, and we've heard this before, use cement tanks. Okay? Maybe there's a reason why. They use tanks that are made out of cement. Cement, of course, is cherus and can't be kashered. So not only do we have to, do we have to kasher it, but it's not possible to kasher it. Okay, so to, to deal with that, um, to those places that use, like, cement, and even for other places where it was just too hard to kasher, um, what's common is that they use liners. Okay, they use what they call swimming pool liners. They just line the whole tank. So the tank is trafe, but there's a, there's a line. It's like a big plastic bag is in there, to, and the cheese sits, and the brine sits in the bag instead of sitting. It's like a, it's like a chunk bag. And it means you just put it around your crack butt. So you put this big, basically a big bag into your tank, into your, into your tank, and then the cheese is not sitting in the tank. It's only sitting in the, in the bag. It's fresh brine. What did you say? That was even fresh brine. That was the first problem. We solved that problem. Now we're talking about the kalim. Of course he's clean brine. But they put the, they're not talking about the kalim because they, they, the, the clay is not, it has no contact with your cheese. Okay, but you see, notice was, when they did that was, when they fill up, when they fill the brine, they put around the, the liner, they squirt in, you know, 50 gallons of brine, and they dump in the cheese. Okay, what's going on? So it's a very... It's a messy process with a lot of liquid all over the place. So what's going to happen is they're going to get liquid onto the wrong side of the liner. If they're not being super careful, they're going to end up getting liquid onto between the liner and the clay, the clay that was never tri- kashered. So now there's going to be bleas. So there's going to be bleas now from the cement. The liquid is going to help bring the bleas into the through the liner into the, the liner. Well, there's liquid, so but it's plastic. It's a clay. Right, so, but there's a liquid in between. Ain't, there's no place go from clay to clay unless there's liquid in between them. And here there's a liquid. That works with Kavash also. Yeah, it works with Kavash, that's true. Yes, yes, it depends if it's Kavash. Shaman, it all kinds of... Yeah, with Shaman, it'll work. No, if you say Kavash, it'll work with Kavash. This is Kavash, 18 minutes. Yeah, so, this, it's going to happen all of it. But it's not like fish, you say Kavash, 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 there, so. so Yossi made what he told them was that they have to have double liners. Okay, they put on one liner in a nice, quiet, dry room away from you know, where all the liquid is. Then when they start filling it in, and when they start using it, it's now a double liner. Okay, so the, 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 the liner that's closer to the container, that's the one that prevents bleas. And the, then the other liner is what holds the food. Okay. Is it only 50 gallons? I made up a number. No, no, no. It's huge. Just get a plastic bag, a kosher bag. So some of them use plastic, but then they would have to be kosher also. They're not. Just for kosher it's so, you could if you wanted to you could buy it, but there's money involved also you know so it's a okay so next when you when you brine cheese when you brine cheese it sits there for hours or days or weeks and that means is of course that the cheese has got to be sealed up because <coughs> you can't leave the cheese there in the company for two weeks while you, there's no much yet it have to be sealed up okay big deal that's not a big deal to seal to seal the room or seal the containers. The problem is that the, it's common that those, that when something is brining for a long time, you have to move the cheeses while they're being brined. Okay, I'm not sure if you just have to get the top and the bottom. I don't know what the reason why you have to move the cheeses, but that's pretty common that you have to move the cheeses around. So, the simple way to solve that is, tell them you have to come back. Okay, so, if, if they have to, if twice a week they have to move the cheeses, but she'll come back, open it up, watch everybody move the cheeses, and seal it back up. Um, that, in, in a case that we dealt with, was very expensive. Okay, they were out in the middle of no place. Um, so Yossi put up a cameras there. He put up a cameras that were there. After <laughs> lots of shenanigans, uh, he, put up, he put up cameras over there to, to, so that he could always see what was going on. They recorded what was going on. And, and when they wanted to move the cheeses, they said to him, 
rabbi was going with tomorrow at 4 o'clock to move the cheeses, and he could watch it or not watch it, and he could see what's going on. Okay, so that was his control, um, so to speak. The room wasn't, was, so to speak, not locked, uh, because he had a way to watch it. Okay, but now, back to where we, the fourth thing, which is what we started from, which was um, the dinner Malik Kereseach. Okay, the, the question is like this. So, when the cheese is being brined in the liquid, we had said already, it's obvious that there's a problem. You have to cash on the kale. It's sitting in the brine tank, and obviously the brine has to be cashed because it sits there with covers. After six or eighteen minutes, it already had covers, so obviously you had to cash that clean. But the Shaila came up like this. This is all sort of this is all his story, his show over here. Um, what happened was they took when they finished brining the cheeses, they dumped all the cheeses back onto basically something that was like the tables that they used for draining out whey. But here instead of draining out whey, they were draining out the brine. Okay. They basically, in the same kind of a table, they dumped it onto the table, because now you, the solid cheese has to be separated from the liquid brine. It's sort of like separating curd from whey, the same idea. You just need something to drain it out on. So they put it onto this big table, uh, they had holes in it, and they had a drain on the bottom, and they plopped it down on the table to drain it out. So the question was, should we say malech kereseach on that table also? It's, the, the cheese is sitting in brine, and Malir Kharasef is, is right away. It doesn't have to sit there for s- six minutes. It's right away that there's a blear. So what we should say is that the blear from the... the, the now, Menadin, we would say Malir Kharasef only takes blears from the cheese into the table. But the Ramah says Malir that takes the blears out also. So that means yesterday they put tray cheese was dumped onto here. So we should be sure that the kosher cheese has blears also. So you can put a pickle on the table? Say that again? Do you think a pickle put onto the table? That's a, it's a good question. It's a very good question. So that's one of the stuff to be bagel is, one of the stuff to is that it could be that once the malicha process ha- process is over, there might not be malicha. Just give me one second. Um, but, so let, before I get to his southern, I just want to tell you this. I'm, I'm not going to go through the southern, really. Um, I'm just kidding. We're not going to go through them. Um, what it is, is, is that the, we chose... Rabbi Lane that chose to be Mahmoud. No, 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 it's not just a piece of cheese. You know, Rabbi Lane talking about the pickle. Right? It's not just a cheese. It's puddle of brine. Right, with it's, the brine. It's sitting in a brine. It's full of wet brine. Plop. Put a piece of the table. And it's puddle of brine that was there originally and then slowly drained off. Mm-hmm. So, if the brine really is there, and, you know, the brine gets straight for the table, then that, that can go to cheese. Right. Be right. Cheese, cheese sitting in brine. Five minutes ago, it was brining. Okay, so the brining is still going on, so to speak. Okay, as opposed to the pickle, the pickle's Pickled already from, you know, yesterday. It's been pickled already. It happens to be, so to by mistake, in water now. Okay. So, um, they were machmer, and they, they lined the tables. The, he spoke to other people who hadn't thought exactly of the issue, but when he explained to them, chose to also be machmer also. So, it was simple. The simple thing is that it's correct that it is to be machmer. There are a couple of them. There are a couple of them to think that you should maybe not have to be machmer in those things. I'm, I'm not going to tell you what they are. Uh, but you should just know that every one of the things that we that came up of why you should maybe make each one of those things is something that the Ramah says, but we're not going about that. Okay? Each one of the Ramah says, <coughs> even though the din is the cooler, but you shouldn't be making about that. Okay? Um, and, and, and that's sort of the tone you get about this whole din. The Ramah is saying is, is that there are all kinds of stuff. It's really complicated. It's really sophisticated. It's in like four different Simon and Meshulchan It's complicated. And therefore, the men is to take all these things, to take it, the, the sort of the, the simple look at it and say is, all these things, it is Malika, you shouldn't do it, and therefore you should be Mahmur, um, which is correct, and that's what we ended up doing. Okay. Last, last thing is, in, in, in the packaging of cheese, there are five little things I'm going to mention to you. Um, in, when you package cheese, okay, so far we haven't packaged cheese, so far we just made the cheese. Five things in, sort of, in packaging of the cheese. And the first is, um, 
that there's something that we, what we call American cheese, which is really, it's called processed cheese, which is they take the finished blocks of cheese, the finished blocks of cheese, and they liquefy them, they cook them up until they turn liquidy, they add other ingredients to them, and then they re-solidify it into the blocks that you buy in the store. Um, so it's, it's you, after you cook, that, that cooked cheese has other ingredients, obviously the ingredients are, make sure they're kosher, but there's also kale issues when you're, when you're um, cooking up and re-solidifying those cheeses, it's being done hot, it has to be kale issues. Next, cheese can also, once it's finished, can also, um, similar style, could be smoked. Okay, the smokehouses are not so complicated to kosher per se, the, the hot part of the kashering, the cold, the cleaning part of the kashering is, is the real mess, um, and that, that's the really difficult part. Um, so smoking happens to cheese also needs, also has, has to be kashered. Next, the, the cheese, when you get, if you buy a block of cheese, you don't have to deal with what I'm about to say, but if you, you deal, slice cheese, the way they slice cheese, or even the blocks, the way they make it from a big, you know, 25 pound block into a 3 pound block, is they don't cut it with a knife, they cut it with strings, Okay, is there a better word for this? Wires. Wires. Okay, thank you. Wires. Um, and the wires are very thin wires pulled really tight, and they're really strong wires, and they just push the cheese through it, okay? And the machine just pushes it through it, and just running through it, it cuts it, okay? It just slices the cheese into slices or into blocks, or whatever you have to do with it, okay? So those nights, even though everything is cold at that point, but it's an example of Duchut the Sakina, okay? That, that wire has the status of, like, like a sakin, cutting through something that's relatively hard, and that knife, the official way to kosher it is through an eater, okay, which is to stick into the ground ten times. Obviously, it's impossible. You can't stick wires into the ground. I mean, you could bury them, but you can't, you know. The only way to for, No, no, wait, 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 wait. The, 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 the traditional, the official way to kosher something that had uh, that had ducha de sakin is through an eater. Um, when we learned we talked about how you should really kosher Okay, because obviously you can't do an eater then. Okay, we talked about how they should be kosher. Okay, you can go listen to that. Next, um, after you make your cheese and you're all ready to go, some people uh, shrink wrap their cheese. Their cheese. They put it into, basically what you do is you put the cheese into a plastic bag. I'm simplifying this. Put it into a plastic bag. You dunk the plastic bag into hot water. And that causes the plastic to shrink and to take on the shape of the cheese. And now it's, it's, it, it molds itself to the shape of the cheese and then pops out. So it's in for two seconds into, the, into this hot water bag. It dunks in, the, the, the plastic shrinks, and pops out the other side, it's, it's shrink-wrapped right to its size. So there's probably a better word for than shrink wrap, But anyway, it, it pops out the other side, and, and it's molds to that thing. Okay, there's a, quite a question as to whether you have to capture those baths. The cheese going in just for a second. There's, there's practical questions, there's halakha questions about whether you have to capture those baths. Um, we... I, I was going to talk about it, but as you see, we're out of time. So I was going to, I knew that we were going to be out of time, and therefore, you can just look at Sapirim 17. There's an article about it. Okay. And the, la- the last is, that's all I'm telling you, I'm, I'm almost done. The last is, the last is that th- there's, there's a din in Simon Pei test that if cheese ages for more than six months, then it becomes a hard cheese, and if you eat that cheese, you have to wait six hours before you eat meat. Okay? And the... the Generally accepted assumption is that that six months of aging is real aging. It sits in a nice, dark warehouse in a, in a, in a cheese company, and it ages in the way they wanted to do it to, to develop the taste of the cheese. And as you do that, it hardens, and it gets a more pungent taste to it, 
And that's what the Shukran was, that's what the Diddus talked about over there, that you have to be Mount Rama. It's talking about that you have to wait six hours. You have to, but you should just know that there are people who think that, no, as soon as the cheese is six months old, meaning from the day you drop from the rain, if you count six months, and after that six months, you're ready, that's it, it's already considered a hard cheese. There, there are people who feel like, to the point that those, some of those people will say, this is a, that's why it's a packaging issue. When they package it, they make, they make the expiration date to be six months from that day. Okay. In other words, let's say the cheese can really last 18 months. But the right, if today is uh, October 1st, I don't know what it is exactly, if it's October 1st, then they write, instead of writing October 1st, they write 6, I can't count 6, okay. If it was January 1st, they would write, the expiration date is June 1st, because that's in less than 6 months from now. What? Really? They would write that, because they don't want people to eat it, not because they have to wait 6 hours, because no one would dream that it's a hard cheese, obviously, no one would dream that. So they, they tell them to put the expiration date to be only 5 and a half months from now, so no one will eat, they'll throw it out at that point, they won't eat like that. Okay, now that, as I said, it's not generally accepted. If we ever do seven pay tests, um, We'll talk about that question.